Welcome to God in the Ordinary, a podcast to help you reveal God to others during your everyday. Special guests share their stories with songwriter and author Sharon Tedford. Today's guest understands the joy and pain of being a military wife. She's learned how to crush the feelings of isolation and how to find and share the hope of Jesus using the power of prayer and community. My guest, author and speaker, Christy Woods. beginning of the month of November is when we usually remember and celebrate those people who are in the military and their families. So Christy, thank you so much for joining us today. You're a military wife and we're really glad to have you. Oh, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. I appreciate it. We're really pleased to be able to introduce you to everybody. Could you tell us where you live, who you live with, a little bit about your family, please? Absolutely. My husband actually is now retired after 24 and a half years active duty in the Navy. And we live near Tulsa, Oklahoma, so somewhat in the central part of the States. Our children, we have three of them. Our oldest is a police officer, and our middle child is a daughter who is finishing her studies at Moody Bible Institute, is married, and then our youngest is a sophomore in college. So we're just loving life having adult children. That's great. That gives us all hope. You know that adult children are lovely, right? <laughs> <laughs> there are. Although I will say, my husband and I were just discussing the other day, we have determined that parenting adult children is actually a very difficult phase that we didn't anticipate. So, you know, that's not to, you know, wipe away hope for everybody because everybody's <laughs> a little bit different, but just be prepared and lots of prayer and just keeping eyes above. Christy, as you know, we ask all of our guests to share a reflection on Isaiah 61, and I know that you've prepared one for us. Would you like to read that for us now, please? I would love to. Thank you. Within Isaiah 61 lies a powerful thread, especially verses 1 through 3. The NIV says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. The one word I gather out of this chapter isn't specifically noted in verses 1 through 3, but its theme runs strong. It's hope. The promise of it for today and tomorrow fuels what I do. I delight seeing women grab a hold of the hope Jesus offers and to be reminded of how powerful, strong, faithful, and mighty our God is to cling with assurance that hope awaits us today and remains a solid promise for tomorrow. Whether military wives, military moms, or a crowd of civilian women, there are people today who trudge through the days brokenhearted in need of healing. There are those unknowingly captive to sin and its devices, leaning on lies versus standing firm on the truth and in dire need of wisdom and deliverance. Others stand in darkness as prison and need sweet freedom. The Almighty knows, sees, 
and cares about the plight of women. The Lord has enabled me to create gateways to help women to cease navigating life alone through trials and tribulations and instead to live even-killed days in Him. These resources fuel readers to trust in God with all their heart and to know Him as the lover of their souls. It's my prayer that God use my example to invite military wives, military mamas, and civilians to a journey beyond their expectations. Christy, thanks for sharing that. Would you please tell us how you became a military wife? Because I think it wasn't necessarily through marriage, as some people do. And I know that has something to do with being obedient to God. Tell us that story. Oh, it does. And it's it's a wonderful story. My husband had been active duty. He got out during a time when there was downsizing in the military and was an active duty reservist at that time, or a reservist, I guess I should say. I was working full-time in corporate America using my college degree, and he had come to me one time and said, hey, what would you think about me going back into the Navy? Because there was an opportunity for him. And I just, you know, basically <laughs> shut it down immediately and said, I don't think so. No, I grew up as a civilian. I didn't want to go where divorce rates were high. I didn't want to go to a place where I would be what I call pseudo single parenting, you know, with him out to sea all the time. That didn't sound fun to me at all. And so that was my answer. And I went about my business. And my husband's so good and patient. He circled back around a second time and then he circled back around a third time. And after the third time, I had a conversation with our pastor's wife after choir practice at church one night. And her words were kind of like a Holy Spirit gong. And she said, well, Christy, have you even considered it? And that's when the gong went off <laughs> because I realized I had just given an automatic no. I hadn't prayed over it. And so I went home and I prayed and the answer came fast and furious um, within the next 24 to 48 hours. I was seeing all sorts of things that said Navy coming at me, the first being this big semi-truck that passed me on the freeway that had the word Navy on the side of it. And I just remember looking up the ceiling of the car going, God, you're telling me he's supposed to go back in, aren't you? And honestly, not being very happy about it, because that's not my plan. <laughs> that wasn't my plan. But as I learned how to become moldable, realize he's the potter and I'm the clay. And in that situation, I had to realize that I came to a point where I said, okay, God, whatever you want, let's do this. So Becky went into the Navy. I became a Navy wife and suddenly was thrown into this world with all these new acronyms and ways of doing things that I had never been exposed to in the past. But here we are all these years later, and I'm still alive. So it's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure that there are many happy stories, along with some stuff that wasn't so easy. So I know that being a military wife is sometimes actually lonely and isolated. How did you battle with that loneliness? It definitely can be a time of loneliness because you're moving. In our case, it was every three years, but I had friends who moved every 18 months. So you're packing up, you're starting over, you're creating your friend groups, you're finding the new doctors, the new dentists, the new mechanics, all of those things, you know, every three years, 18 months or whatever the case is. And it can get lonely because your support network has to be reformed and reshaped at each move. But one of the most valuable steps that we always took and, and the first one that we took after we landed at a new duty station was to find our church home. Because there we found the Bible studies or the small groups. And crazy enough or fun enough, I don't know what the right word would be, but every church kind of had its own personality. 
So each stop, there was something, a strength poured into us and then stuff that we could pour back out to the people in that area. But each church had its own strength. And so we would pick up on those strengths. Maybe it was prayer or maybe it was their focus on the Bible or, you know, something of that sort. They really excelled in that area. And so we took that with us. And I would encourage, you know, any military wife to just dive into the faith community, find that home, even if it means you have to search for a while. Sometimes it took us months before we found the right place, but we usually landed well, we always did. We always landed in a place that fed us and then we could feed back and it was um, one that brought praise to God in the end and it was good. So definitely start there. The other part is don't be afraid. And, and military members and their families are pretty easy to make friends fast. You have to for survival, but to not be too afraid to do that. You know, people like me, I was, I'm an introvert, so I really relied on my husband to kind of help us with the friendship making. But to find those groups or to just kind of come out of the house every once in a while and, and find friends in your neighborhood, because they're usually there. Maybe it's in the groups that you're a part of. Some of the strongest bonds that we created were a homeschooling group that we were a part of when we were stationed in Hawaii. We're still friends with those people to this day and attend weddings of our kids, do traveling together from time to time. And that was simply because we were a part of the same group. So find those like-minded people that have similar interests and find that faith base that we each need with God at the center of it and then his people surrounding it. And that's a really, really great start. If you're not a churchgoer and you're not a homeschooler, how else can you make friends? Well, there's other kinds of groups as well. Those aren't the only ones that are out there. There are ones within the commands themselves. Each base has a listing typically of different activities they offer. So I would just recommend going and looking there and starting in that place. And the other option would be not to forget what's out in the community. Some of the best friends that we have, in addition to the ones that I mentioned earlier, are actually community members that have no military family members in their household, but they brought us in as their own. And that's important too. So don't forget those groups and those organizations that are out in the community as well. That's a great point. There are things beyond the edge of the base that are important. You know, as we talk about this, it makes me think of people in my own community who are lonely and isolated for other reasons. Is there an antidote to loneliness, Christy? I really think that when we reach out, that is an antidote. I don't know that it's the only one, but whether it's when we notice things in our neighborhood, somebody's yard getting a little tall with the grass or the weeds, maybe it's time to go knock on their door and see if they're okay versus complaining over the grass being tall. If we have older neighbors down the way, just check on them from time to time. Maybe they need some tech help or maybe some food would be welcome. If there's a neighbor that's dealing with some sickness, the same thing. Check in on them, pray for them, take them food. Just be there. Just regular checks on them to make sure. And then those friendships often help with the loneliness. And then, you know, as believers, we can even pull in that faith element too. If that person is open and willing, or maybe they already are a believer, then that just takes it even deeper that we can dive into studies and things of that sort so that when we're not there as a person, they'll still remember that they have God that's always with them. They're never truly alone, and none of us are. Just sometimes we need a human to come alongside us or a reminder that our help from above is truly always with us. Yeah, that's great. It's something that we can easily do, isn't it? Just go and knock on someone's door. So let's talk again about military spouses. There are military spouses listening. I know they are. 
if today they are slipping accidentally, of course, into despair because loneliness has wrapped itself around them, how can they get out of that? What are some active steps they can take to get out of despair? Because that feels like it's a lower level than loneliness. Yes, it is. And one of the first things I would say is, is talk to a friend talk to a friend. Don't keep it all under wraps to just yourself because I really believe that's a ploy of the enemy that he loves to keep us alone thinking we're the only one or that we won't make it, that we can't do this. You know, just soloed out. But when we pull back the covers on that and we allow others to see what we're struggling through, they may have encouraging words. We might also have a good recommendation for somebody in the mental health industry to help us. Maybe there's something physical going on that we need a doctor visit for. Just by the sheer fact of talking to somebody, that opens many doors to help us get further out of that really low pit. And sometimes also learning how to ask for help is a part of it because military wives are notorious for wanting to take on or feeling like they should be able to take on everything and not drop any of the plates. And I have a feeling that there's probably people in the civilian community who feel the same way and they're afraid to ask for help. They just try to plow through and continue on and trudge on. But the reality is, is often there's wisdom when we ask for help from others. And it may be that it's free help, that they come and they give their time generously to help us mow our lawn or make us a meal or, you know, come alongside us to help clean or something of that sort. Or it may be that we hire somebody to come in and to help offload it. Because sometimes the fact that we're overburdened can be a factor in all of this. Um, But those are all definitely areas to investigate. I don't know that those are all of the answers, but that's at least a starting place. Yeah, that's really useful advice. Thank you for saying those things. I think that's something we can all listen to and learn from. So we've talked a lot about the people who are, as it were, left behind when others leave and go away on their tasks. So when you're apart from someone you love, when they're the ones who have gone, how do you support them? That's a great question. Staying positive and upbeat is probably one of the the best starting points for that. Reality hits, and it's okay to have those real conversations about needs. But I mean, think about it. If we have somebody who's always coming to us with what's wrong and the complaints and the heaviness, guess what happens? That weighs us down. And if we're somewhere where we can't help solve it or fix it, then that only adds to anxiety on that military member's part because they're far away. So my recommendation would be to be transparent, but at the same time, make sure that gratitude and the praiseworthy things and the positive things are definitely a part of conversations. There can also be emails. There can be With technology, today's military service has changed a little bit. So I think they have quicker access to each other on technology, but the same, whether it's email or whether it's messaging or something of that sort to keep those conversations upbeat and positive, but transparent at the same time, just balancing it well would be a start. Sometimes simply sending boxes if they're going to be gone for an extended period of time with goodies in them, they'll tell you what they need. Sometimes it's powder or sometimes it's cookies from home or something of that sort, they'll tell you what they would love to have. And then sometimes they can share those as well with others that are in their commander on the ship or wherever they're stationed. And those can be great ways to support them. The other part is staying healthy ourselves on the home front. It's not always easy 
But when we stay healthy, our husbands or the spouse that are going forward can rest a little easier and focus on the task at hand there with the command. And we can take care of things on the home front. And it might mean that some others are helping us and coming alongside us, but it definitely will give our spouse a little peace of mind knowing that they don't have to worry about what's at the home front. So talking about being healthy for ourselves, was there any kind of spiritual rhythm that you picked up that helped you while your husband was gone? Definitely remaining in connection with my small group. That was paramount. My small group, those people pulled me through so much. And we just did life together. And they were civilians. So it was it was a great connection. I would definitely say to start there. One situation, we had a couple from our church. They were not in our small group. But when our third child was born, my husband was deployed. She and her husband stayed in the hospital with me. And then that night, he went on home. And she stayed through the night and slept through a chair, which I don't even know how that was comfortable because I'm sure it wasn't. <laughs> but she stayed there with me and then went into the OR the next day when I had a C-section and was there for my child's birth. I mean, that's love, that's dedication, that's a friendship that you don't forget. And those are the kind of things that kind of keep you healthy is by surrounding yourself with those people who you can pour into and they can pour into you. That's a fantastic way of of approaching it. You're listening to God in the Ordinary with me, Sharon Tedford, and my guest, Christy Woods. I've really enjoyed looking into your work, Christy, as we were getting ready to talk today, and I see that you believe in the power of prayer. Can you tell us when you've seen God answer some prayers in your life? And tell us whether you think prayer is something that should feature in our ordinary, you know, like in the office, at school, in the grocery store, even in a traffic jam. Well, I mean, the Word instructs us to pray continually. So I think that's pretty simple and understandable. So regardless of where we're at, those prayers are warranted, wanted, and heard. In our lives, with our military journey, my husband and I, his call back into the Navy, of course, that that was bathed in prayer, kind of in an unusual way. But there was another one while he was stationed in the military. And I don't remember where we were stationed, but he was on a ship at the time and he was gone. And at that point, if something happened on the ship, they would often shut down communication. And so I had, it was a week without communication. And you start to wonder, okay, what's happening? Why is there not communication? Because usually it has to be something fairly big in order for the communication to shut down. And I just started praying. I said, Lord, I don't know what to pray for him. Show me. And I just felt such a burden on me for my husband to start praying for him. And so I did. And I really wasn't sure what to pray or how to pray. But I just spent time with God conversing about my husband to cover him and to protect him and to pray for him. I found out later when communication came back up and we had a chance to talk that there had been a situation on the ship and it wasn't a safety issue, thankfully. It was more of a personnel issue with some pornography that was on one of the computers and it involved some people that were on the ship and it wasn't good. And my husband is an IT, so he is the one who had to go through all the photos and go through everything on the computers to strip them of you know, all of that. And so he was, because of his job and being told he had to do it, stuck in the middle of all of this. And I was so grateful that even though we were half a world away from each other, we were just one breath from God and that he knew and that he led me, instructed me to pray for my husband during that time because I had zero clue, but God knew. 
and that my husband was protected, that God protected him as a result of that. And I was so grateful. And I don't doubt the power of prayer because I knew what happened when there was all these time zones and miles and half a world of distance between us, but yet God spanned that. He's a phenomenal God, and we can always converse with him. It's a good thing. That's something that we all need to know, isn't it? We can always converse with him, no matter whether we're in the military or not. We've talked a lot about spouses, but military families include parents and children as well. Do you have a hope nugget that you can give to the military parent or child today? Sometimes they seem to be just in a support role and tucked away in the back, but actually they suffer from the loneliness and the disappointment and the missing them as well. They do. And my biggest thing would be just God sees, He knows, and He cares. And He just desires that regardless of what situation we're in, whether we're somebody that's on the front lines or the back lines or somewhere in between, whether we're military or civilian, that He just wants to spend time with us. That's it. Like our God desires our time desires us to be in his presence, to hear him, to walk in his ways, to follow him, to praise him, and to allow gratitude to just overflow. And I would just encourage those that are tucked away and and feel like maybe they aren't important or that they're forgotten or that they're unseen, that all of those are lies from the enemy, that God sees, God does see. Yeah, that's really helpful. God desires time with us. Very simple truth. Mm-hmm. Again, I've really enjoyed reading through some of your work and your excellent blogs. I highly recommend those. Go and look those up. We'll give you that address at the end, everybody, so you can. I see that you place high value on truth and faith. So how can we keep truth prominent in our day-to-day relationships, Christy? Well, I think we have to know what truth is first, right? You know, as believers, I've done a study this past year on my own, just in the book of John, over all the times that Jesus describes who he is or others describe who he is. And they're not all in the big red letters. Some of them are in the tiny little things that you would bypass if you weren't paying attention. But multiple times in there, he says, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. And I write in my journal, he's a truth teller. He's a truth teller. So knowing that we have to go then to the Bible to know, okay, what is the truth? Because we need to know these words that our Lord is speaking to us and has shared over the ages. So grounding ourselves in the word is paramount, in my opinion, of knowing the truth. Because you know, then you know the truth, right? If you're reading the word and getting into it. So there are different schedules that you can get online, Bible reading plans. If you like that, you can read the Bible in a year or two years. They're free. Just Google them, download them and print them off and go for it. And if you're not sure about that, then just start in the New Testament in the book of Matthew. That's, you know, three quarters of the way through the Bible and work through just the New Testament start there. If not that, and you want to go for 30 days, then grab Proverbs and go through one proverb a day. Maybe add a psalm in there while you're at it and read there and start there and start grounding yourself and knowing what that truth is. And then as you have these relationships with people, you'll understand how you should respond or what you should say or your action because you know the truth and it's all based on the Bible. Yeah, that's important. You talk about truth and faith. So tell us a bit about the importance of not only having faith, but a faith that grows. Is that a necessary thing for a believer? I believe it is. 
because we start as babies, right, on, on milk, and then we need to get to a point where we're able to eat that prime rib. So there's a process there. The more we surround ourselves with other believers, we have our noses in the Word, we're digging in, we're doing Bible study, we're spending time with God in prayer, where there's gratitude and praise, just Him, just God, then we start to see what's happening in our faith. And I also think that when we listen to the stories of other people, and we balance those well with the Word, of course, we have to do that. But when we listen to those faith stories of other people, it does something to our own. It kind of supercharges our faith. So I've always loved reading stories like Corey Ten Boom's The Hiding Place. Um, David Wilkerson has a great story as well. Lauren Cunningham, who just passed away recently, recently is the founder of YWAM, his as well. I mean, there's Billy Graham, you could name several and grab their stories and read them. Listen to your friends or those in your church who are mature Christians and and leaders, listen to their stories and balance them against the word, but then hold close what's true and allow that to help fester your own faith as well. Leading on from that, I read your work on a hungry Christian. I love, I just love that. It's really funny, but really good. So tell us what that is and how we can become one or maybe how we can feed one. Oh, that's great. I didn't even think about the second part ever before. So very good question. So how to become one is just a desire for more. Like, I just want more. And I can remember that was my prayer after I became a Christian in my early 20s. I can remember talking with God and saying, God, I want more. I need to know more of you. And because I knew I needed it just to be grounded, um, stronger, I guess is maybe the right word, but I just needed, I wanted more of Him. And so I think also as we dig into His Word and there's revelations within it, you can't help not but want more because you've just tasted and seen that He's good through His Word. But then there might be situations the same where you start to taste and see that, wow, look at what God did here and other things, and you just can't help it how we might be able to help feed others, mentoring is a great one. And I think that that's something that's lost a little bit right now in today's tech world. What about the neighbors that are right down the street? Or what about the young woman? I had a former neighbor come to me just recently and said, would you be my mentor? I've watched you. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay, she was paying attention and I didn't know it. (laughs) So my actions need to to speak righteousness and holiness. And I'm going to miss the mark some. And it's okay to be honest and authentic about that. But, you know, people know when there's Christ in you, they see it and his light shines and it'll fall in places we don't realize that it's going to fall. But hey, when those opportunities to mentor or to speak into somebody's life or to pray with somebody because they have need or want or, you know, they're in a dire situation, those are wonderful times to help plant those seeds. It sounds to me like you have been revealing God in your ordinary, even though you didn't know it. So thank you for doing that. I guess. (laughs) Thank you. Praise God. (laughs) Yeah. If someone comes to knock on my door tomorrow and says, Sharon, I want you to mentor me, I wouldn't know where to start. Can you give us some ideas of at least where to start in how to share my faith or the Bible with someone who wants to be mentored? Absolutely. I think a Bible study is a great way. There's studies that you can grab on their own, book studies, but there's also like a SOAP method, it's called. And that just is an acronym. It means scripture, observation, application, and in prayer. And you can dive into any book in the Bible, any passage in the Bible using the SOAP method and discuss it. It doesn't have to take a lot. It can be 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. It can be over lunch one day. It can be over dinner sometime. Maybe it's a breakfast time frame or 
Maybe you're walking while you're talking about the word, but that's all it takes is just showing up. And then they might even have something that's of interest to them that they've wanted to dig into. But as you pray over this situation, God will also lead you. He knows what that woman needs. Yeah, very true. Ask the Lord. Pray again. We may have talked about that already today. Before we go, I have to ask you to tell us about your book of prayers for military wives. Tell us about it and where we can find it. It's called 101 Prayers for Military Wives. I considered 101 invitations to spend time alone with God. And I hope the women that grab this, whether it's somebody who's giving it as a gift a military wife who's picking it up for herself, or even I've had women who said, I just want to know how to pray for them and I'm using it as a guide, or I'm using it for myself and I'm not even a military wife. I've had several people tell me that. So its target obviously is the military wife, but there's a variety of offshoots as well. It's 101 prayers, 101 invitations to spend time with God. I wrote the introduction after the prayers, which is a little backwards, but I think that's what God had planned. And when I wrote that introduction, it was a phenomenal moment with him, a holy moment, if I can call it that. Because if I could give a visual, it was as though he had placed me in this green room, which a green room is where the guests wait before they go like on a television show or something like that. I was in this green room waiting for the military wife to come to the door. And when that woman came to the door, it was my job to grab her hand and to lead her behind me to an open door. And on the other side of that open door waited God Almighty. And this is just a visual, but on that other side, there was God Almighty. And I wasn't going in. I was just introducing her and directing her to where he was. And then it was up to her to step into that space where it's one-on-one with him where she could hear him, speak with him, she could listen, she could grow, she could be healed, all of those things. And that's my hope for 101 Prayers for Military Wives, that it's a beginning, that it's a handhold to help these women go into that space where God and they alone can commune and have time. And she'll come out a woman who stands strong on the foundation of Jesus Christ, That when the trials come and those winds blow, she won't be overturned and she won't be tossed because she'll know how to stand firm on him. And that's my hope with this book. So we'll see. Lots of prayer over it. And where can we find it? And where can we find you? Where can we find you online? Absolutely. The book can be found anywhere that books are sold. So if you don't have it in store, you can check online and it can be purchased that way as well. As far as finding me, the best place is at christywoods.net. And that's K-R-I-S-T-I woods w-o-o-d-s dot net and if you sign up for my newsletter then we can stay the journey together and you'll get all the latest on what's happening and sometimes i ask questions of of my subscribers and and they're really great they give feedback and input um, in return and i really appreciate that and we pray for each other and all sorts of stuff so come along for the journey and you can also find me online on the different social media channels as well it's usually christy woods writer or something of that sort depending on which one it is but the newsletter is probably the best well thank you so much for bringing us a lot of hope today christy it's been an absolute delight to have you here on god in the ordinary I am so grateful for the invitation and the opportunity to spend time with you and your listeners thanks so much sharon
You've been listening to God in the Ordinary with me, Sharon Tedford, and my guest, author, speaker, and one-time military wife, Christy Woods. Don't miss all the free and helpful resources on her website, christywoods.net. K-R-I-S-T-I. For our show notes, go to 61-things.com. This podcast is a Wise Word Radio 61 Things co-production. We pray that you're encouraged to reveal God in your everyday.